Hey everyone, Monica here. Monica and I are kicking off this month's spooky and creepy theme with an episode about the notoriously morbid Victorians. Why were they such creeps? Listen in as we discuss some of their odd traditions and postulate the reasons behind them. We'll talk about photography, corsets, serial killers, and taxidermy. Join us each week this month as we highlight Halloween traditions, scary movies, and even more spooky vibes. Love the episode? Leave a five-star review or share the link with a friend. Now, tighten your corset and eat that tapeworm because we're going to talk all about how the Victorians were creeps. Monica, we get to talk about something today that I really, really enjoy. I love the Victorian era. I love the aesthetic. I love the architecture. I love how weird they were. I love the unsolved mysteries, but I never would have wanted to live in that era. Not at all. First of all, I'd be crippled and snaggletoothed. And I'd have no modern day plumbing, which we know is important to you from previous episodes. Very important to me because who cares about modern technology like TV or internet or smartphones or cars? And I like a good bathroom. I mean, if you have to go outside to do your business, mm, I don't know. Yeah, no, no. So while I love the era, it's not like I feel like I'm misplaced living here or anything like that. I just appreciate it. So we're going to talk about one of the parts that I do like about it. And that is the creep factor, which I think is pretty fitting for being our first episode in October. I agree. I never really thought about the creepy factor of the Victorian era until you brought it up. I associated it with so many other wonderful things, which I never really thought of the indoor plumbing. I'm glad you mentioned that. (laughs) It's important. I'll always mention it. Yeah. The Victorian era, if I go into my Pinterest board over the past few years, I'll see a lot of things that I've pinned and very few of them are creepy. It is a very beautiful time, but I would like to just set the tone historically. So what is the Victorian era? Basically, it's the period of Queen Victoria's reign. So 1837 to 1901, roughly. Now, periods in British history, they basically named them after whoever's ruling or whatever family is ruling. And that made me chuckle because could you imagine if we did that over here? Like just whoever the administration is. That would be really funny. (laughs) Again, Brits, uh, we're the rebels. We just do not get you. But I will have to say that the American Americans of that time were influenced by the Victorian era. Wouldn't say that they didn't take on any of those attributes that are well known with it, especially this creep factor. So a lot of what I'm going to talk about today is both British and American, and I am making no distinctions because this is not history 201 and this is not a term paper. Dr. Stewart might force you to make a a distinction. Yes, but this isn't for his class. This is for our podcast listeners who really 
love interesting things. So when I was looking for the resources on this, if you'll just scroll down, why don't you go ahead and read to everyone those first three things that came up? This is just on my regular search on the internet. The first three questions that came up when I started this topic. All right. So apparently if you go to Google and you want to know about the Victorian era, Google will tell you what else people are asking. Why is the Victorian era so creepy? Why were Victorians obsessed with death? And what was wrong with the Victorians? Right. So I can only imagine the search results in 150 years when people start asking questions about the 2020s. Oh my. (laughs) To be a fly on the wall or a ghost in the closet then. Right. Definitely. So I think that people would ask the same types of questions about us. In particular, what's wrong with us? So I'm going to talk about what creepy things they did, but then I'm going to try to answer the question everyone's going to have, which is, but like, why though? We'll want to know because these things are definitely weird. And I think it is important to understand why people do what they do. So that's why it's important to understand people from the past and they don't have the type of information available to them. As we know from the vampire episode, people were thinking that rabies were causing vampires because they didn't understand viruses. I think it's going to be natural for us to think that these things are weird and how could they ever believe that? But also remember that they didn't have it nearly as much information at their fingertips as we do today. Oh, I think that makes a lot of sense. So a big answer to the, but like, why though? question is going to be simply that Victorians were in a perpetual state of mourning. During the Victorian era, the life expectancy, if you were a man, was just 40 years old. And if you were a woman, you might live to the ripe old age of 42. And one third of all children died before their fifth birthday. Oh my God. They were always going to a funeral. Yes, they were. (gasps) They were. So not to mention whole or large parts of families might be getting wiped out by any of these diseases, measles, scarlet fever, diphtheria, rubella, typhus, and cholera, and not to mention tuberculosis, also known as consumption. You know, I have a favorite opera, And in the opera, the woman is dying of consumption. And I was like, was that their way of saying she was an alcoholic? But no, it's tuberculosis. That does make sense, though. I would think the same thing if I didn't know. Uh, Obviously, it came from the fact that it just consumes you as if it just eats you from the inside out. Oh, wow. Yes. It's La Traviata, in case anyone is wondering. They were. I know. Everyone was wondering. (laughs) (laughs) But I love that you actually know. And you can pronounce it. So so we might, we as uh, scholars, you and I, we might say, well, Victorians weren't the first era to encounter this constant state of death. And that would be true, of course. But I think that the difference, the distinction that we have to make is that more of it was able to be recorded through photos, newspapers, the way information traveled back then in mediums that just didn't exist before. So it feels much more modern than say something in 1700s would have felt. Where you had a painter painting a portrait, but you can't have a dead body laying around for three weeks. Exactly. So in our minds as modern people, we think, oh, that person who painted that, they're they're so far removed from us. But we don't tend to remove the Victorians too far from us because of the photography. 
And that is one of the first things that I'm going to get into when we talk about the creepy things that the Victorians did. When you think of Victorian era photography, what is one of the creepy things that comes to mind, if any? They would take pictures of their dead children with their eyes sewn open. Yes. That's yes, their eyes sewn open. Very, what we like to say in our house, creep town. And there's this really hilarious comic that I have here that I'm going to read. And, and this will let people in on the Victorian humor here. This mother says to her son, they're posting for a picture. Why can't you sit stiffly like your brother? And then the little boy answers, but mom, he's dead. <laughs> that's so bad. It's so morbid. It's so morbid. Now that's a modern comic and I will have a link to more of that comics work in the show notes. So Monica, I mentioned the deceased children who were photographed with their eyes sewn open. Mm -hmm. And I only know that because Paul and I are big fans of the TV show, The Alienist, which is set <gasps> in Victorian time. Thank you for reminding me of that because I was looking for something good to watch and it's I forgot so that existed. Dakota Fanning plays a female detective Ooh. who partners with someone who is like the original criminologist mm -hmm. as well as a newspaper guy. And they just go around solving this crime of dead baby. And that's the first season. I won't tell you what the second season's about. Yeah. Don't tell me. That sounds very exciting. I'm going to put it on our list. You'll love the way they dress. You'll love all the creepy yes. weird things that happen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good. Thank you. So again, Monica gets a lot of her historical knowledge from fiction, but fake TV, yes. fake TV and, and novels, which I think is pretty normal. I just caution everyone to double check that anything you learn, if it's fictional, is that you just double check that it's real because I've done the same thing before. And I was like, oh, wait, no, not right. Not right. So you might be thinking to yourself, but like, why, why are you taking pictures of dead people? So I will say that even today I have been at funerals where people take a picture of the person in the casket. Some okay. people do not like that. They have a problem with it. Other people want to remember it. So I think that that would go back to just how you feel personally. But right. why did the Victorians do this back then? You have to remember that photography was fairly new technology. It was very likely that you didn't have any photo of a loved one. No, that, that's a good point because not everyone could afford photography. Exactly. So you might not even have had a family photo before your child passed away, or maybe photography did not exist yet when your mother was young. So the only right. time you're able to get a photo of her is when she passes. We take it for granted. We can take a picture of our food. We have so many pictures these days that we literally take pictures of what we're eating. But imagine not being able to look at a picture of your child. I go back and I look oh. at pictures of Brady. He's 16. I love seeing his little four-year-old face. So imagine Brady not even being here anymore and I have nothing no left. No way to remember him. Right. I would probably say that I would want that even in death. So that's what I'm saying. We should take a little reverence here and understand what these people were going through and what their Absolutely. real life was like. And that's why they did that. It is creepy. If we did it today, it'd be creepy and weird because we don't have to do it today, right? 
Right. Okay. So you talk about their eyes are stitched open. Mm -hmm. I think some people might be imagining that they're in a casket. So go ahead and explain what's really going on in those particular pictures. In those particular pictures, the eyes are stitched open, the child is dressed, and they're photographed as if they're living. Exactly. So if you look at an old Victorian era photo, and it looks a little blurry, but one person looks much more crisp, then that person is most likely deceased. Ah, creepy. So that is a creep factor for you when looking at old photographs. So that's one thing. So we understand the dead photography. We understand why they did that. But they did other weird stuff that maybe I <laughs> don't give them as much credence for. Okay. So the other one was called spirit photography. Now, Monica, I have a picture here on the right hand side. And I see it. can you explain to everyone what that is or supposed to be? It's a woman wearing a black hat and it looks like there is a ghost. I'm going to guess of her son, possibly husband. Yeah. Just staring down at her. And yeah. then it almost looks like there's another ghost behind him. Mm. What if I told you that's uh, Mary Todd and Abraham Lincoln? What? <laughs> <laughs> so that's Abraham Lincoln's ghost, supposedly, in this photo. Wow. Okay. It is not his ghost. It was faked. This was something what? that went on. Clearly, we know this. But back then, they didn't understand at a certain point that you could do photo manipulation. So a lot of people were manipulated by this. Okay. A, a photographer would come in and take a photo of your deceased, do a dead photo, a death photo. Mm -hmm. And then they would know how to make the technique happen for it to look like a spirit. Wow. Yes. But if you look on the left-hand side, clearly not what's going on there. <laughs> Uh, it looks like Casper, the friendly ghost, yes. is uh, trying to reach out to some children, E.T. phone home style. So yeah, there's a ghost and you can see through them and the ghost is scaring or connecting with the children. Not really sure, according to this photo. And if you scroll down, I've got the headless photography. That one I think is the most bizarre. That is very weird. So this is why we think that Victorians are creeps because there's no reason for you to be making the headless photos and no. they are everywhere. There's there's no reason that I, I would like to say, oh, I'm sorry that you're going through this and I understand. Basically, this was people were having fun and th these photos were black and white. So that's what they had to play with was placement, not I color. Think, I think it's pretty amazing, too, because photography was new, but it is an art and developing yes. your own film, learning about exposure times, all that. I mean, it takes time and effort and you only learn by doing. I think it's kind of cool because you had these photographers out there that were like, hey, what if I do this? What if I do that? And then they sell it. And that's how they made money. So you can tell by the headless photo, the girl smiling up at the other girl. So she's having fun with it. They took a lot of pictures with skeletons, made skeletons dance. So they really got into the morbid entertainment. Then if you just think about their photos in general, they're kind of creepy. They had to sit so still and they couldn't smile. Yes. And what happens if your smile droops and the exposure time isn't done? So you couldn't hold that smile for that long. I think they'd probably look creepier if they were smiling. Good. 
tired of smiling after a while. And then you get like your mouth is smiling, but your eyes are dead. The other thing I think that makes Victorian era photos creepy is that they're in black and white. So we automatically attribute that with creepiness just in general. I think that if a lot of these pictures were colorized, we'd feel a little bit differently about them. Yeah, probably. But it didn't help that they were taking weird pictures. Just a side note, photo manipulation did go beyond the morbid. Instagrammers did not invent photo manipulation. (laughs) Oh my God. If anyone thinks that they did, I'm so sorry for you. Exactly. Bless your heart. Absolutely. Bless your heart. Because in the Victorian era, they were using photo manipulation to make women have smaller waists and bigger breasts back then. So vanity has been around for basically since the dawn of time. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of vanity, let's talk about strange diets and beauty standards. Something a little creepy about the Victorian era was possibly body image. They really, really wanted to look sick. And I'm not kidding about wanting to look sick. This is what Charlotte Bronte had to say of tuberculosis. Consumption, I am aware, is a flattering malady. Oh my God. Didn't she have her sisters die of it before they were even 30? Yes. I think she goes on to talk about how awful the actual death of it is, but it was considered flattering to look thin and ghostly, have your veins showing, rosy cheeks, sparkling eyes. Sparkling eyes were such a thing actually that women would put lemon juice in their eyes to make them water. Oh my God. Yes. And then the red lips, which this is all science of a fever, if you ask me. <laughs> when you see your child looking like all of this, you're like, oh, you have a fever. Right. And, then, and then you put your hand on their forehead and sure enough, they do. All of that reminds me of heroin chic from the 90s, but it's in the Victorian era. Oh, absolutely it is. That's the first thing I thought of when I saw it. Now you might say, okay, looking like you have a fever and you're dying is considered beautiful. Isn't that strange? Yes, it is. In fact, it gave you a social status because they thought that if you got sick with consumption, that you were actually born with an inclination to the disease. And it was possibly triggered by, you know, too much dancing, too much socializing, too much mental exertion. Right. Social distancing would have been a good thing for them. It would have it. But if you were social, which meant that you Mm -hmm. were in the upper crest of society. So it was almost a social standard if you yes. had it? Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. <gasps> I'm sorry, y'all. That is weird. weird. And I just don't give them any clout for that. Monica, this next one, I just, I don't know why I remember Bette Midler talking on a late night talk show about okay. how she had a tapeworm and she lost a ton of weight and she was super excited about it. She's like, yeah, but eventually I had to take the tapeworm out and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so eating tapeworms were Ew. a way to get thinner. Ew. Zach thought he had a tapeworm in college. That's funny because he is so skinny, but no, he just was skinny. But yes, you, (laughs) you I mean, I'm tempted. (laughs) I'm going to lose the COVID-19 fast. 
Right. Oh my goodness. If you go back to Victorian era newspapers, you can see where you can write a letter and send a little money and they'll send you back a tapeworm. Yes. I don't even know what to say. I don't either. Other than <laughs> they were desperate to look like the ideal female body of the time, which was basically defined by that tight corseting. 26, and 34. Yeah. 20. No, it was 16. 36, 24, 36. Right. Which I think sounds okay, but they went. 16 inches? 16. I think my neck might be 16. Let me measure it. No. Yeah. Well, wait, everybody hold on. Yeah, no. No, that's amazing because other cultures had their own beautiful definition. Mm-hmm. So you hear about binding feet in Japan. Yes. Where it stunted the growth of the feet. Deformed them. Yes, it deformed them. So this is actually, I mean, a 16 inch waist. Vera Ellen from White Christmas might be the only person that I can think of that maybe possibly had it naturally. Yeah, my mom had an 18 inch waist. I know that, but she also had mononucleosis right before that. (laughs) Sure. I mean, in college or high school at one point, we all had it, but as a 40 year old woman, that's completely weird. So it's much like the foot binding. I'm glad you brought that up because what the corset did over time, and they would start corseting girls at a young age, is it actually brought in your rib cage. So your rib cage actually flares out. It's more like a triangle, like a ladder. Don't walk under it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But what they did is they made it more of a V. Mm. So they inverted it almost. And so what that did is it pushed your organs all around in your body. They do think that did contribute to some of the fainting during the Victorian era because Victorian women were notoriously dramatic emotionally and they liked to faint a lot. Wow. Now, some of that would be for attention. Some of that would be because that was what was expected, but some of it was because they simply couldn't breathe. Well, nowadays it's still kind of popular, except now they call it waste training. Yes. So I did do something similar after I had both of my children. I did get a corset. I put it around my hips because when you are pregnant, your hips spread. And after you give birth, your hips are still in that malleable time. And so Mm -hmm. you can make them go back in by doing that. That is different than taking your natural child, a child, my, my my little tiny daughter, when she hits puberty and tying something super tight around her to deform her. Exactly. So this is just kind of getting back to what you were before versus like you said, doing this to a child or teenager or woman in her twenties or Mm thirties or forties. I just, that's awful. So that's their body image. I think that we probably, as women, there has always been a body image to maintain. I have been studying this in the past. It's very interesting and it's not always skinny. It's not always voluptuous and each culture defines it differently and each period in time does. It's it's very interesting. So the Victorians were just like everyone else as far as that goes. They had a body image and people were trying to maintain it. So Monica, I see here that lunatic asylums, probably not the politically correct word. Of course now, not. Of course but then not. it was yes. a lunatic asylum. Yes. And it popped out at me because I watched another series called The Nick on HBO with mm-hmm. Clive Owen and a couple other people. And one of the female characters, 
years, she like her babies just kept dying, right? And she wanted a baby and wanted a baby and wanted a baby. And eventually her husband sends her to a lunatic asylum. Again, it's set in the late 1800s in Mm -hmm. New York. And she comes back a total zombie. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I don't know when the bottomies came around. I think that was a little later. She just came back. They pulled all of her teeth because the doctor said that there was something going on. So they pulled all of her teeth. Yeah, that is I know. Awful. So, so all this weird stuff is starting to happen. Yes, I would say that that's when it's starting in the early parts of the 1900s. That's when the lobotomy started. And, you know, the Victorian era goes to 1910. And mm-hmm. I put in lunatic asylums in here. I don't have a lot to say about them because they're so complex. They would take up their own episode. But when we say the word lunatic asylum, we get creeped out. And that is really their birthplace was in the Victorian era. I believe it because if something was wrong with you and they didn't know what to do or how to fix you, that's where you went. Yes. And back then they were very into science and science proving everything. And they would claim all of this was backed by science. So that's how a lot of people ended up there. Now, of course, they were misunderstanding what they were calling science, but in their minds, it was proven. Well, it's just like Dr. Pepper invented this amazing elixir, right? And he sold it to a bunch, real Dr. Pepper invented an elixir, sold it as a cure-all for pretty much everything. Yes. Coca-Cola was putting cocaine in the Coke and everyone loved it. I mean, why wouldn't you? Actually, cocaine was used, I think, to help you with alcoholism. And that's why the cocaine was put in there. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. This is all weird. That's a whole nother thing. I think the Vic, I could do an entire podcast on weird Victorian, just all of it. Sorry. I'm I'm off on a tangent. Yeah. It's, that's what I'm saying. It's so easy to get off on those tangents because the Victorians, they really, they like have influenced so much that we don't realize what they influence. And it's so much of our modern origins come from the Victorian era and we just don't give it the credit it's due. Coke, like Coca-Cola is still here. Yeah. Pepper is still here. Still here. Yeah. So lunatic asylums, very creepy. Another creepy thing that I think of during the Victorian era is basically the birth of serial killers as we know them. Can you think of any serial killers from that time? So I'm going to just throw a guess out there. It's Jack the Ripper. Correct. He is a huge one from that time. He was in Great Britain. Around the same time that Jack the Ripper was being disgusting, H.H. Holmes was being even worse over here in America. If you look a Victorian serial killer, you're going to find a lot of people. Wow. A lot. Now, there were also a family called the Bloody Benders, and they had an inn in and people would stay there and then they would kill them. Right. Oh, 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 yes. I've heard of that. Yeah, it's super gross. Now, Monica loves true crime and I love Victorian true crime. So as Monica is just as obsessed with true crime, I'm probably equally obsessed with true crime in the Victorian era. So much easier to get away with stuff back then. Absolutely. And that's just why. So why were there so many more serial killers during that time than maybe another time? I'm just going to postulate as we do often on this podcast, I would say that that probably has a lot to do with more people were traveling cities Mm -hmm. were growing. So the modern day city, as we know, it was in its infancy. So people were more in contact with each 
each other. So we went from being a rural society mainly to starting to be more of urban society. And that urban society puts you in contact with more people. So let's pretend that you were of a psychotic tendency and you could have been a serial killer. There's only 100 people in your town. The likelihood of you doing it is very small. Mm -hmm. But when you can go somewhere with access to more people and more anonymity, then you can let those demons out. Wow. So yes. Oh my gosh. Victorian era. This is why I love it. I think for November, we should do something about true crime and you could just talk about Victorian true crime. I love this idea. Let's definitely work on it. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so on the note of again, creepy, it's just all creepy here. Okay. We have grave robbers. That was a thing. You could make money. That could be your living. Your dad could come home from work and that's what he would have done all day. Well, actually all night. Why were people robbing graves other okay. than they thought they were vampires and they needed to put a stake <laughs> through their heart? Okay. Yes. That is definitely a thing. But why were people robbing graves, let's say in Chicago, the real reason why you could make money from it. So it's not like when graves got robbed in antiquity where they were mm -hmm. taking gold and silver and precious items from there and selling them. That's not what it is. They were literally selling the bodies to medical science as cadavers. Oh my God. Yes. Because during this time, people were studying the body more and more and they needed cadavers. Your loved one died. You weren't giving it to mm -hmm. science. That wasn't a thing yet. So people just got the bright idea that they would just go rob graves. So you could put your dad in the grave and the next day he's being dissected and you even know. So let me ask you this. You've got this body that shows up and it's covered in dirt. Or not because it's in a casket. Okay, never mind. I'm like, how are they passing it off as like a donation if it's going to be covered in dirt? This was a business. They took it and they washed it off. Oh my God, that's even worse. Yeah, that is why some of these serial killers, though, much like H.H. Holmes, was able to get away with things is he was a doctor. Uh, now on mm -hmm. the same note of grave robbers, we have the insane fear of being buried alive. The Victorians were very scared of this. Because why? There's many reasons behind it. Why were they more scared than others? I'm not entirely sure other than I think a lot of people who were buried were in comas mm -hmm. and they weren't actually dead. And my <sighs> guess is that had a lot to do with whatever diseases they were dying from. When I've studied this before or heard about it, listen to different podcasts because again, I love the Victorian era. It's not like it happened to a lot of people, but does it really have to happen to a lot of people to make no. you scared of it? No. Mm -mm. <laughs> I think people are still scared of it today. It's kind of funny. My dad, he always said that he wanted to be cremated because he wouldn't want to be buried alive. And I'm like, dad, that is so silly because in modern times, obviously, you're you if you're being buried, you went through the embalming process and that would have caused you to pass away. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you're dead either way. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> right. if you're embalmed while you're alive, that's probably a lot more painful. Right. So I think that there's just maybe that 
fear in us, a claustrophobia fear, and something must have really triggered that. But they actually made all sorts of contraptions like ringing bells. So there'd be a bell that if you woke up, you could ring it. So I don't know if anyone ever rang it. There was also a certain type of vault called a premature burial vault. And so a person could live Hmm. for long hours in the compartment. And if they woke up, they could just turn knob and get out. Okay. So you just had this funeral for someone or you don't have the funeral yet until like five days later. And then, you know, they're dead for real. Correct. Correct. Now, of course, some people were afraid that these people who were waking up were vampires. So they would do things like make the graves extra heavy. So it's just a whole scary, morbid creep town, a factor for death and burial for the Victorians. Wow. And then we throw in vampires. Yes. So this is the era era where we would, as we discussed in the vampire episode, is basically the birth of the modern day vampire. What I find kind of comical is that they go from, let's start making this undead night creature wealthy and sexual. What? Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. And yes. now they're super wealthy and super hot. And yes, yes, yes. But let's also accuse people dying from consumption as being vampires. So this was kind of all going on <laughs> around the same time. I don't know. But what's really funny is that we say this was all going on around the same time. Let's pretend that it's 150 years from now. Somebody will say that what's going on in 2020 was the same thing that was going on in 2001. And they will be so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. We have to give them a little bit of grace yes, because they were just reacting to the information at the time. But still unsure why we needed wealthy, sexual, undead creatures. But this is something that did not come up in the vampire episode, but Bram Stoker, <laughs> Bram Stoker, that's funny. Yeah, sexual. <laughs> but um, Dracula was actually first presented as a play called The Undead. I'd but go see that. It flopped. They didn't appreciate. They eating. didn't appreciate no. And I'd like to close out with something that is very strange, very hysterical, and almost cute. And that would be taxidermy dioramas, in particular, the ones by Walter Potter. Are you familiar with these at all, Monica? No, Monica, I am not familiar with them, but I would love to describe this top (laughs) diorama. That will be in the show notes for everyone's amusement and enjoyment. So taxidermy is basically the art of taking a dead animal and stuffing it and making it look like it's still alive. It's a thing. Deer hunters, big game hunters, they do it all the time. But this in particular, this one is a bunch of kittens. Yes, kittens. They're not full-size cats. They've been taxidermied into a sitting position and they're having a tea party, like Alice in Wonderland tea party. It looks fabulous, but they're all dead. Yes. (gasps) These photos are so worth looking up and enjoying. Now, I can't find where anyone but this man, Walter Potter, 
Potter did these dioramas where he made them, where he made the little animals doing human things. There was a lot of taxidermy dioramas that were really beautiful pieces of art, I would say, but this is a whole new level. Now, my understanding from researching this is that he did not kill any animals for this. He had made some deals with local farmers to kill their litter of kittens. But I'm going to say about that, okay, is hmm, how did you get y'all? There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 12 kittens who all look related. They're all my favorite type of kitten, which is orange or cream. I mean, these are so cute, even though they're kind of a little morbid. How did he get 12 of them? I feel like the farmer may have done something. I'm just saying these didn't all die in natural causes. Mm -mm. (laughs) There are tons of true crime right there. That's crime against animals. So I don't know really how this happened. My guess is these little kitties, maybe a farmer. I know how fast cats can reproduce. That's why he has a lot of cats and rabbits. So maybe the (laughs) farmers just couldn't keep the kitties around. And that's sad in and of itself because they are super cute. But also, how could you feed? I mean, they but multiply so quickly. With a cat. Yeah, so that's wrong, Monica. You end up with 12 cute little cream colored kittens. <laughs> but he's got lots of these and we'll also have a link so that you can enjoy more of the art. But we'll have the picture just straight up there so you can see it and you can laugh along. And it's cute. Like, it's cute because he has them pose. Like, two of them are having a conversation. <laughs> no, it is. If it were a painting and I didn't know those were real cats that were stuffed mm-hmm. and dead, mm-hmm. I would think it's a super cute painting. Yeah. Looks like it belongs in a children's book about it a does. tea party. It does. It does. So so we'll just end on that little lighthearted note with stuffed kittens having a tea party <laughs> as we conclude that Victorians truly were creeps. Thanks so much for letting us be part of your day, whether that's folding socks, driving to work, or getting in your cardio. We're happy to provide you with some entertainment about nothing serious, seriously. For extended show notes, please head over to our website, monicaspodcast.com. That's with the number two. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Two Monica's Podcast and find us on Pinterest at Two Monica's Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us directly, email us at Two Monica's podcast at gmail.com. Awesome. That was fun. The music in today's episode was sourced through filmmusic.io. All credits can be given to Kevin MacLeod with trio for piano, cello, and clarinet. The Chamber, Reaching Out, Moonlight Hall, Nervous, and Toccata and Fugue in D minor.